go any further, there's another song I want you to hear part of.
A verse that has become one of my favorites is found in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, about the power of our words, and our words are powerful. But this one teaches us how we ought to be, and it says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, help us with our words. To those that are most familiar with us and those that we encounter only once. Help them to be words that lift others up and that encourage and forgive us for the times when we have used words that discourage. So maybe it can be said about us where seldom is heard a discouraging word. That be good. In Jesus' name. Amen. It was 1983. Jeannie and I were just married. And Maggie was heading towards Christmas, and I was in Buxton Jewelry and Music in Aberdeen, Mississippi. Guitars and instruments on one side and jewelry on the other to buy her a Christmas present. Uh, it was a gold chain that I was trying to buy, I think, in 1983. And I was standing at the counter with Mr. Buxton. The glass counter was there. He was back there. And there was a lady behind me named Margaret. And I looked at Mr. Buxton and I said, do you think this will make her happy? It's a good thing for a husband to say, isn't it? And before he could answer, the lady behind me said, in a few years, you won't care. <laughs> That's what she said. Wasn't that lovely? So it made me wonder about marriage and what was in store for me in the days ahead. We can use our words to encourage or discourage. You remember the story of Job. Uh, a bad day, he lost 500 oxen and 500 donkeys were stolen. Some servants were killed and 7,000 sheep were burned up and 3,000 camels were stolen. And more servants were killed and seven sons and three daughters were killed by a strong wind. So you know about Job's day. Chapter 2, verse 9. Look what happens. And then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> I'll say it. You're probably wondering why she wasn't in the tent with the kids when everything was <laughs> over with. What horrible words to say. She had a choice on this day to encourage or to discourage. And this is what she did. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, uh, we meet a man named Joseph, but if you don't know him, as Joseph. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Joseph wasn't good enough. Evidently, this man was so good about encouraging and applauding and he had to have a new name, and the apostles gave him Barnabas, son of encouragement. If you were renamed, what would it be? I think back to my friend in Mississippi. Uh, yeah, Mississippi. This is Margaret, woman of wine. Um, this is David, son of complaining. There's all sorts of names we can be given if we're not careful. Barnabas, he must have been something special. And we should never underestimate the power of encouragement or of Barnabas' ministry. Look how he helped the new Christian Saul. Acts chapter 9, beginning verse 26. 
When he had come to Jerusalem, this is Saul after his uh, road to Damascus experience, his conversion. He attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. His reputation preceded him. And they all knew stories. He persecuted a cousin of mine. He threw my neighbor in jail. They all probably had some connections. And they were hurt and they were angry and they were mad. And now he comes and says he knows Jesus. And they're not mine. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him in. Brought him to the apostles. And described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord. And who had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas had to speak on Saul's behalf because they wouldn't even listen to him. So they listened to Barnabas. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. If you ask, name one Christian who changed the world on your list, on many people's list, Paul would be there. And I wonder what would have happened without Barnabas' encouragement to Saul. Would we have ever known who he was? On to a couple of chapters later in Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, where Saul was, where we first meet him, they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch and Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. So people had scattered away to get away from persecution and now revival is spreading. Verse 20, however, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Shereen began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And the power of the Lord was with them. A large number of the Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Who else would they send? When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And look what he did. He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. That's what he did. Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. And then verse 25 says, Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. We don't even have a name change yet to Paul. That's interesting to me. He went back to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch, and both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And we're told as a note in Antioch, it's the first time believers were called Christians. How important the encouragement of Barnabas was for the history of our world. We are called to be cheerleaders. One author wrote that our words would be like confetti. That's a pretty picture, isn't it? We spent the day uh, yesterday in Chattanooga with our son and daughter, and daughter-in-law and our grandson. And he's one. And he's real close to walking. Um, a little unsure, and he falls down a lot. Uh, but it was interesting, and, and he's just starting to talk. Uh, Dad seems to be the word of choice that Taylor's very thrilled about. But, and he's feeding himself with graham crackers mostly, but he does that. And yesterday was interesting as I watched this, knowing I was going to preach on encouragement today. Every time he did something, we applauded. Didn't, you know, 
his grandmother never went up to him and said, can't you hold that cracker better? What's wrong with you? Use your word. That didn't happen. He was encouraged in everything he did. And how important is that to his development? But how important is it to yours? How important is it to mine? Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. It's interesting, many people know Hebrews 10, 25, for the first part about it. They use that to tell people to go to church, and they say, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and they stop right there. But the rest of the verse is, why we assemble? Don't forsake, neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some of you, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouragement is one of the greatest purposes of us meeting together. Whether it's worship for a small group or lunch, it's an important thing. I read something recently interesting about Japan, about advances in the science of aromatherapy, obviously the study of, to do with smells. And here's what happened at one department store. Near their complaint department in Tokyo, they pump out an unpleasant smell. <laughs> That's what they do. They make it as unpleasant as they can in that part of the store, and they have very few complaints. <laughs> You're going to come up to me after church want to know where to buy one of those machines, aren't you? <laughs> But as you know yourself, criticism in and of itself is, is a foul odor. It fouls the air at homes and offices and government. Wherever people meet, it can happen in churches. What we need are people who fill the air with the aroma of encouragement. Before I continue, sermons come from all sorts of places and nothing happens. So don't think that uh, this occurred because of something someone said to me. The sermon came from a meal I had recently with a new friend. He'd been beat up and wounded and dysfunctional and out of control and you name it. As a new Christian, he just needs to be encouraged when the world has beat him up. Abraham Lincoln needed encouragement to spur his sometimes sagging confidence. When Lincoln was killed, several items were found in his pockets, a handkerchief, a pocket watch, and some Confederate money most interesting of all was a ragged copy of a newspaper article. article praised Lincoln as, as, as president during tough times in this nation. It was so important to Lincoln that he always carried it with him. Lincoln was no different from the rest of us, needing the encouragement. I'm going to share with you an English composition paper from a student in Indiana. The title of the article was, or his English assignment, set up period, handed in on January the 18th of 19, or 2013, was entitled Football Saves Lives. He wrote kind of an autobiography. There's a boy named Tony who went to a pretty good sized school. He was getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. He used to be one of the best football players and wrestlers when he lived in Tennessee. Made some of the best grades in his whole class until he moved to a little town in Indiana. 
He got mixed in with a crowd of kids who used a couple of different drugs. The kids ended up taking Tony and talking Tony into trying these drugs, and sure enough, Tony started doing these drugs daily and became addicted to them. A football program would be good for our school because we have a lot of drug abuse going on in our town. A football team could help these kids from ever wanting to try these drugs. A football team would make the kids thrive to want to be the best they would want to be looked up to. It'd take a lot of time off their hands and they wouldn't have time to get mixed in with the wrong crowd because they'd be too busy on the field or spending time with the other players on the team. There'd be a schedule of games and they wouldn't have much time to get in trouble. The kids would have better grades due to the head coach's choice of where their grade point average needs to be. That means they could have rules to where they could sit in the class or even who they hang out with in these classes. For example, kids on the football team could understand that we need our classmates and peers to look up to us rather than the world around you. The team can learn to work as a team instead of everything being on your shoulders. You have a group of teammates that will have your back till the end. He didn't say the word encourage, but that's exactly what he's talking about here. That's why I want to have a football team at our high school. So all my friends and I could show people that we really are worth something more than just the kids who don't have anything better to do than to get in trouble. Tony could have stayed one of the best football players that he would have had a team on his side. And that he doesn't need those drugs to make him happy. His team would be there for him so that he wouldn't make any mistakes on or off the football field. The team would have also made him keep the grades he had before he moved. He wouldn't have had time to get mixed in with those drugs because he would have been on the football field 24-7. That was handed in on a Friday, the 18th of January. And he died in the early Sunday morning hours of Sunday morning, two days later, 36 hours later, of a heroin overdose. And I read that letter at his funeral. A plea for help, wasn't it? I need to be encouraged, is what he wrote. He needed encouragement. Isn't that what the gospel is all about? Because we need encouragement. We need a team that we can be a part of. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How much more encouragement can we receive than that? So be an encouraged parent, that you're divinely appointed task to encourage your children. It's also the task of grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends and neighbors. Husbands, it's important that you use good words. And in 31 years, I've learned to do better. I've got to tell you one story. I don't think I'll get in too much trouble. She came home from getting a haircut years ago. And it went from long to short. And I was a new husband, and I had not been trained properly in the art of husbandry. And sometimes things would come out of my mouth that should not come out. Can I tell them what I said? Thank you. <laughs> Helen, I looked at my dear bride, and I said, you look like a boy. <laughs> a boy. That's what I said. Uh, not the smartest words that ever came out of my mouth. And since that day, I have never told my wife she looks like a member of the Mansby. I have not told her that at all. 
Husbands, be careful with Oh, you've all got your own stories. You're not going to tell in church. <laughs> Wife, you have to be careful with yours. We learn. Employers and employees can do better. We can all do better. And when we leave this place, throw confetti wherever you go. And let your words truly be apples of gold in a setting of silver. It is a matter of life and death, isn't it? Let's pray again.